You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. You know how I feel about this Jets team. You know how I feel about this game coming up against the Oakland Raiders. And Allen is a thousand percent right. This is the most important game for Allen, for Adam Gase during this season. And you know what? It's not even close. It's not even close. Because of the things that I, I kind of mentioned with him, and we'll have the conversation with you, and I want the Jet fans to weigh in at 1-800-919-3776. For me, and I'll say it again, and I know people always talk about, we throw the word adjustments out, and especially in-game adjustments, and we don't take in, into consideration what the conditions are and the talent that you have on the field to try to make those adjustments stick. I understand that. I have it. I I really do. But for me, here's the thing. You are in a situation where your quarterback has shown some signs over the past couple weeks. He's coming off a stretch where where I had a poll at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7. I had a poll a couple of weeks ago that asked, Jet fans, are you still sure Sam Darnold is your franchise quarterback? That's how bad he was. He had something, if memory serves me correctly, he had like eight picks in three games. Wow. So when you see a situation like that, you start to wonder. Yeah, we know about the offensive line. We know the offensive line had some issues. There were some people playing out of position. But it was was the decision-making process that had you wondering, what the heck is going on with Sam Darnold? Okay, I know he was seeing ghosts a month ago, but that was because of the offensive line. Now, this is just bad judgment. And when you have bad judgment, now it looks like your quarterback has regressed because that's the reason they sat his behind down in his first season. Along the fact that he was injured, and when he came, he, when he came back, they said, you know what, let's wait a couple of weeks. You need to sit back and look and let Josh McCown show you how to handle the football, what it means to manage a game, to be a game manager, and that, the important thing, do not turn the football over. It's something that young quarterbacks have to learn. Do they turn the football over? Absolutely. It happens. But not at the rate that he was turning the football over. So now you come, you fast forward, and you have the past two games where he's had one pick. Hey, you're encouraged. And that pick wasn't the best. It was bad judgment. It was him trying to make a play. And you understand and you love the competitor in Sam Darnold because that's what you want to do. You want him to make a play, but you want him to make a smart play. And that was not a smart play. So we fast forward now to the Oakland Raiders. And as I said to Allen, here's what we know. The Oakland Raiders have watched, as the rest of the NFL has watched, Jamal Adams be the sack king of this Jet defense over the past two weeks. So clearly... What is John Gruden and his staff going to do? They're going to make sure that Jamal Adams does not get to Derek Carr on Sunday. Very simple. That's what they're going to do. So what does Greg Williams have to do? Well, what Greg Williams has to do is make an adjustment. And he will send Jamal Adams. He will try to send Jamal Adams and see what Oakland does. And then he will counter that and probably send somebody else. Maybe it will be Neville Hewitt. Maybe it'll be another one of the unnamed corners who are back there. Maybe it'll be, you know, a safety. That's one adjustment. 
But for me, the biggest adjustment is going to see what Adam Gase does after the first 15 plays. Because it's clear. After the first 15 plays, the first 15 plays are done. They're gold. He they just, just marched right down the field. He even goes for it on fourth down. He's aggressive. He's imaginative. He's creative. That's what you love to see. And what I love that he did last week was, as I mentioned with Allen, he gave you different looks with different running backs. So you had Le'Veon Bell, who's kind of the stutter step, you know, side-to-side running back. Then he brought in Bilal Powell, who's a downhill runner. Then he had different, then he had two other different running backs. Ty Montgomery got a chance to run the football. All right, so you have four different running backs who gave you different looks. Were they all effective? Well, I think Bilal Powell was the most effective, but the bottom line here was it gave your, it gave the defense different looks that they weren't expecting. So guess what? That was one other thing that you had to prepare for. Also, the tight end has become very important to Sam Darnold over the past couple games. Ryan Griffin has become, you know, a go-to guy. Will John Gruden take that away from him? So for me, what this what this game will show is how much faith Adam Gase has in his quarterback, how much faith Adam Gase has in his offensive line that they will be able to protect the quarterback and they will be able to open up some holes for this running game so that the Jets can be more balanced. Are the Jets going to take some shots downfield? Absolutely, especially if they've got the opportunity to do so. They should. Are the Jets going to be aggressive? Absolutely. But the one thing that I'm really going to be watching for is how this team comes out on the field at home against an Oakland Raiders team that's going to be flying across the country and it's going to be 10 a.m. in their minds and bodies. And they're on the football field already. Because all too often in really interesting games, where if the Jets are going to win, they have to have the energy the minute they step on the field. Unfortunately, in a bunch of those games, they've come up short. They've come up lackadaisical. They've come out as though they're not prepared. They look lost. This cannot be that week. This has to be the week where they say, guess what? We are now turning the corner. Forget about all the things we had early in the season. Forget about Sam Darnold with Mono. Forget about Luke Falk. Forget about the bad offensive line. Forget about Ryan Khalil because we had to sign him because, you know, we had no, we didn't have faith in Jonathan Harrison being a center. All that stuff. Forget, no, no Brian Winters. He's hurt again. All that stuff doesn't matter. It's about this team showing in week 12 that they are ready to take that next step and be a team that going into next season, you can say, you know what, we saw, we saw some signs. We saw some signs. That's what this game means for the Jets. And personally, for Sam Darnold, it means something even more. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Let's get to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Paul in Queens. Paul in Queens will start us off. You're in the leadoff spot in ESPN New York tonight. What's up, Paul? Larry, how you doing? Great, Let me man. give you a throwback. You know what's a throwback? Go. Go. 
Yeah. All right. Well, I guess while he he, I guess maybe he threw himself back. <laughs> he couldn't figure out what happened. Harry's in Brooklyn. Harry, you are next on ninety eight seven ESPN. How are you, sir? Good, Harry. What's up? Well, I can ask you a question about Houston with all the cheating going on and everything. What do you think the penalty should be for what they did? <sighs> Harry, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not sure what the penalty, what a good penalty would be for them. Thanks for the phone call. I'm not really sure. I've been struggling with it. I've been trying to think about it. I've been trying to figure it out. Um, it's got to be something where you don't penalize the current team. But it's something that the franchise is penalized for. Is it draft picks? I don't know if it's draft picks. Is it, um, is it a scenario where all the people who were in charge at the time are done? Is it, is it, you know, like AJ Hinch is out? You know, what, there's got to be something where, you know, they're penalized and it's effective for the group that's there. Uh, there's not many players who are still there on there's some players who are still there on that team, yes, but it's been two years past then. You know, it, it's fascinating that you bring that up. Mark Teixeira, uh was on the Michael K show earlier today. And one of the com one of the questions they asked him was what he thought about the situation and and the scenario that went on in Houston. And one of the fascinating things he said in their conversation was that he didn't believe that the fact that they had that information helped them win the championship, that they were just better. But he did admit in the Baseball Tonight podcast that the Astro executives needed to be dealt with harshly. Every player is going to do whatever it takes for him to succeed and for his team to win a game. So players will do whatever it takes. It's up to the adults in the room to say, hey, guys, I understand we're trying to relay signs and steal signs, but these are the rules. And so if an executive or any team official not only doesn't call out players or or coaches that are stepping over the line, but actually encourages that type of behavior, they need to be fired and banned from baseball. It's the same thing if a banker from Goldman Sachs sends out an email to his traders, hey guys, let's look for inside information so we can beat the stock market. That doesn't fly in the real world. So... To answer your question, I'm not really sure what would be the best punishment for the Astros. It can't be taking their championship away because that doesn't work. That's, that's not the answer. It's not. Even when they do it in college, you still know who won. Well, we're vacating the championship. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right. That's what you're doing. Yeah. Of course. So, nah, that doesn't work for me. Paul is back. He's in Queens. What's up, Paul? You okay? Larry, I'm sorry I got cut off. Listen, talking about throwback Thursday, I'll give you a throwback. Larry Hardesty, the best Jets sideline reporter. Don't tell Bill Dolce that, Larry. Do me a favor. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, Paul. What's happening? <laughs> You're laughing at that. Listen, this is what I'm hoping as a Jets fan. Okay. Two things that I've, that I've noticed. I mean, I'm hoping we could kind of mimic what the Mets did in the second half of their season. You know, they had a bad first half, and then they, they bounced back. They almost made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping the same thing. I started seeing, you know, Larry, you, you made a great point when you said they, they got to come out of the box, and they came out of the box the last couple of games, you know, starting with the Giant game. And you started to see a little sprinkle. I'm going to call it a sprinkle of, of Joe Douglas on this team. Guys like Josh Adams that he got, Arthur Millette, you know, Daniel Griffin. And, you know, 
it's it's. I think they got a shot, Larry. I mean, Sam Donald said something funny a couple of weeks ago, but maybe I'm. I gotta kind of believe it when he says, "Let's run the table a little bit." I think they, they might have a shot. I mean, listen, they had. It's a weird season. A lot of injuries. You know, let's get. I mean, get Greg Williams kudos. I mean, mm-hmm. even Blake Cashman goes down. He's backup, and yeah. it's like, it's the NFL has become a league where you have such great players on your first team swallowing up all the money, and then your second-tier players are not that great. And, mm-hmm. you know, you got to give this guy a lot of credit, and hopefully Joe Douglas will put a stamp on his team, Larry. All right, buddy, thank you for your time. You got it, Paul. Thanks for the phone call. I, I do believe that Joe Douglas is going is going to be able to make this team a little better. I think so, and I'm I'm anxious to see what he's going to do in the offseason. And, and I agree with you uh, in this sense, that you started to see a team that had a little attitude to them. You started to see a team that, you know, was tired of losing. You started to see a team that was determined that we're going to, we're going to take things in our own hands. And, uh, that's what, you know, that's what you've seen over the past couple of weeks. Now, obviously the competition has not been the best, but it doesn't matter. You know, you beat the teams that you play. That's what, if it's a bad team and you're better, beat them. That's what you're supposed to do. And that's what the Jets have done. And that's why I think, I think they have a very good shot against the Oakland Raiders this week as well, Paul. And for me, the reason why I think that way is because, very simply, I like the way Sam Darnold's playing right now. And that's why this is such a big game for him. Once again, you've seen him the past two games, only one turnover. If he's able to play turnover free because ultimately and yet we you know he said you run the table and look if you're a jet fan that's what you want your players to say you want them to say yeah we want to run the table you want them to say it's not over you want them to say we've got a shot that's what you want them to say you um you don't want them to say well you know we did our best it was unfortunate but you know the slow start killed us and no no it's not what you want to hear so he's saying the right things and he feels the right things but ultimately, what this season was about at the beginning of the season and what it is still about, ultimately, is watching the improvement of your franchise quarterback. That's ultimately what this is about. It's about, is he the guy? We think he is. He's got all the potential to be. He's got all the talent to be. But there's a lot of guys who've had talent. There's a lot of guys who've shown you flashes. Is he going to really be the quarterback that this team has been searching for forever and ever and ever? And hopefully we'll find out part of the answer this Sunday. Because as I said, this is going to be a team that understands Forcing this offensive line to pick up blitzes. Forcing this offensive line to communicate to know where the blitz is coming from so there's nobody coming unblocked. Okay? Because that's what the league has seen week in and week out. The past couple of weeks, as Kelvin Beecham's come back, a couple of other people have come back. They've lost, you know, Brian Winters, but they, the line seems to have stabilized somewhat. So with that stabilization, it looks as though there's better communication. 
if they can continue to do well blocking and protecting Sam Darnold, this could be a very interesting Sunday because you're starting to see him take that next step. He took it against the took it against teams the past two weeks. Let's see what he can do on Sunday. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Let's go back to the phones. Let's talk to Mike. He's in Elizabeth. Mike, you are next on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, what's going on, Larry? What's up, Mike? Not too much, not too much. So I actually have a comment about the Astros, and then if I could ask you a quick question about my Miami Dolphins, if I could after that as well. Sure. So my comment is, you know, I am definitely, you know, not pro keeping the people that were on HGH out of the Hall of Fame and definitely not pro, you know, taking away the the World Series from the Astros because you have no other option. You know, you can't give it to the other team. Um, you can't give it to the Yankees who they beat that year in the in the round before. But what I am saying is that just like I think we should let the players that did HGH into the Hall of Fame with an asterisk, and for the rest of life, for the rest of history, every time you look at that player's name, there's a question mark or an asterisk, and people have to ask, wow, what happened? What did he do? And it's going to be on them forever. I think the same thing should be done to the Astros. To hurt the team now, to take away draft picks, you're hurting players that are on the team now and their future chances of winning the championship with better players. But if you have an asterisk and a question mark, every time, 10 years, 20 years from now, when people look up the, the who won the World Series in the 2017, there's always going to be that question mark. And anybody who was on the team is going to have that on their head that, oh, man, this guy was on the team, but, oh, man, he cheated, and this one cheated, and that one cheated. I think that's bad punishment enough, but that's just my opinion. Well, it's interesting, Mike. I think that's, that's something that would uh, definitely help. But I just don't see Major League Baseball has not been too enthusiastic, too optimistic as far as putting asterisks in anything. So we'll see if maybe if indeed they go forward with allowing some of the HGH or any of the HGH alleged possibly, you know, users into the Hall of Fame and they put an asterisk in, maybe they did. I mean, when you think of it, uh, you know, they talk about the dead ball era, that there, there's a, you know, kind of an asterisk in the Hall of Fame there, sure. but, but, uh, you know, they haven't really done it officially. So it, it will be interesting to see, but I do agree with you that that's why you can't vacate the championship and that's why you can't really take draft choices away. What you could do is if there are people in the front office who are there now, who were there then, I think, Mike, they got to go. If, I they're hear found, you. if they're found guilty, they have to go. And now my question quick about the Dolphins. Yes. Sorry for taking up your time. Um, so I'm a big Dolphins fan. I know we've been AKA tanking, even though I don't think it's tanking. I think it's actually a great job what we're doing, rebuilding for the future, building up first round draft picks and second round draft picks. You know, it's crazy. In the beginning, we were 0-6. Everybody was like, worst team in the NFL. 
But what I've noticed in the last three or four weeks is that we have been so competitive. And in my opinion, I would actually keep Fitzpatrick for maybe one or two more years. Don't draft a quarterback now. Build an actual team. Build a team that can get chemistry together and then bring on a quarterback. Because I think to bring in a rookie quarterback and to play with him for the next two years, you know, with a bunch of new players on the team is really not going to do anything. I think you have that veteran quarterback of Fitzpatrick with a bunch of new players who you're going to get in the draft and let them try and, you know, play well together with a actual quarterback that's been in the league. Then in two years, you draft a quarterback that you could bring in with veteran receivers because those guys will be veterans by now and see how they, you know, coincide. Mike, that's an interesting point. I just, I just, I just think, and thanks for the phone call. I just think at some point in time, you have to decide and, and figure out who that quarterback is because they're not just going to, the new quarterback is not just going to step on the field and say, okay, I'm ready to go. Let's go. You're going to have, you know, you're going to have growing pains with them too. And that could be another one or two years. So now you're looking at, Ryan Fitzpatrick is your starter for the next four years? Mike, I, I don't know. I don't know that I would do that. I think you, I think you need to find out who the quarterback, you need to find out and draft a quarterback this year. I do. I think you need to really look and figure out who that is. It's clear to me that right now it's not, you know, Josh Rosen. Is it a possibility? And, you know, I'm not there. I don't know what he's, what he looks like in practice. I don't know what you've seen. I don't know why he's not the starter. But, you know, at this point, you know, I, I think you, you might need to go back to him and see what's going on. Has he learned anything from sitting and watching Ryan Fitzpatrick? Because ultimately, your goal here is to, is to build around whoever the quarterback is. You can't build a future around Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's not going to be there. He's a journeyman guy. He's a stopgap guy. He was a stopgap guy when he was here with the Jets. He's still a stopgap guy. And if you want to advance and ultimately build the team going forward, you got to build it around your quarterback. And, and the best way to do that is to get a young guy. Jason's in the Bronx. Hey, Jay, you're next on 987 ESPN. What's up, Larry? How you doing? I'm doing great, partner. What's going on? Okay, just um, getting back to you know, Mark Teixeira. You said that he stated that he doesn't think it helped him. It helped him win. How does he know that? How do you how do you say that? You know what I mean? How do you know that that Altuve or Carrera didn't get a fastball sign and hit it out the park? You know, how could you say that? I don't think it helped them win, or that they were a better team. You can't say that because you don't. You know, you don't know. If they got a sign and hit it out the park, that helped them win. Well, Jason, I understand your point, and I heard Mark's point, and I just, for Mark, his belief was that the bottom line here was they were better. They were better. They had better pitchers. They had, they were better all around, and that the having the signs weren't the end all final be all to have that. And his, he furthered the point was if you tell me that a team that's struggling, gets the signs and they go on and go all the way to the end and win the championship, then as he said, Jason, and thanks for the phone call, then he'll reevaluate his statement. But for right now, he doesn't believe that having the signs helped them win the title. That was just his opinion. So it was, you know, it was a fascinating opinion. And I agree with you. I was like, huh, 
is really is, uh, uh, you know, and you would hate to think that it did. But, you know, I guess the question is, which he couldn't say, because once again, as I'm reflecting on the conversation, Michael then asked him, saying, well, you know, their splits at home during the postseason, they were much better at home than they were on the road. And, you know, Teixeira said, yeah, you know, that's interesting. But I, he just didn't believe that their use of having that information was the sole reason that they were able to win that championship. So, you know, it was an interesting discussion. 1-800-919-3776. While we're talking about the Houston Astros, Rob Manford spoke. And, uh, you know, he was asked about the timeline of the investigation. When are we going to get some answers? I mean, I don't have a firm timeline. I think that it's really important that we be as thorough as possible to make sure we know everything that went on to the extent that that's possible. And I certainly would hope that we would be done before we start playing baseball. Are you taking these allegations seriously? Any um, allegation that relates to a rule violation that could affect the outcome of a game or games is the most serious matter. Um, It relates to the integrity of the sport. In terms of where we are, we have a very active, um, what is going to be a really, really thorough investigation um, ongoing. But um, beyond that, I can't tell you how close we are to done. Um, this isn't the first time you've heard about these things, is it? We have, over time, monitored um, various rumors that you hear throughout the industry, made preliminary investigations, tried to satisfy ourselves that we knew exactly what's going on, but certainly not with, with the depth and detail that came out in the article. Now, our Jeff Passan, who has been all over the story from the beginning, said the Astros scandal, in his opinion, is a combination of two previous baseball scandals. I bring up PEDs, Mina, because this is the closest thing that Major League Baseball has seen to that since that scandal. This is far and away the biggest issue that baseball has had in the last decade plus, maybe even 20 years. And when you look at that and somebody says to me, that this is a combination of the Black Sox and PEDs, you know the gravity of this story is, I think, bigger than Rob Manfred is addressing publicly at this point. Jeff, what if other teams are doing this? What does that say about baseball? What does that say about the sport writ large that it's not just the Astros potentially, that it is all of these other teams that are trying to get around the rules and, and potentially running afoul of them. And, and what does it say about the integrity of the game right now? Because if the games are not being played on a fair level, then they're not really games at all. It's just the WWE. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'd say, I don't know if I'd go that far, but whenever you have a situation that brings the integrity of your particular sport into question, you have an issue. And this is a team that has been, listen, on the surface, they've made the right moves. They went through the draft. They got a couple of deals for some excellent starting pitchers. And they've been the class talent team of baseball the past three, four years, especially in the American League. Dodgers have been class, obviously. 
but they've done it through spending, where the Astros have done it really through, you know, tweaking and through the through their, uh, you know, farm system. So that's going to be fascinating to see how this goes and what happens and who else is doing it, because that's the next question. And I think if baseball finds there are more teams doing this or similar ways of handling it, then what is their way of doing it? What do they do? Because if that's the case, then I think it means that they have to be even more serious in how they deal with it and how the final uh, death nail, so to speak, is handled. If other teams are doing it as well, then you have to make an example to make sure that everybody else says, oh, that's what happened? Well, I'm not doing that because we can't afford that to happen in our organization. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Chris is in Manhattan. Hey, Chris, you are next on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great, Chris. What's going on? I just had a quick question for you about the Astros. I know as of now, it's sort of been confirmed. We have visual evidence and the outrage sort of stems from, you know, regular season. We hear the bangs. Uh, so everybody's outraged players and fans. There seems to be a new video that was just released on Twitter on the John Boy account where this uh, seems to have been done in the World Series. Somebody isolated whistles. Mm-hmm. Um, they were getting some sort of whistles on breaking balls and you know, game-winning hits, big hits in the World Series. I was wondering, what does that change for you, if anything? If it's confirmed and it's just as good of evidence as the banging, do you think that warrants even stiffer punishment? Yes. I think if, if they can confirm that it is still going on, Chris, that, you know, it, it, then, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and even, and, and I tell you, when I really thought about it, I thought about it when Steven Strasburg said in the post-game interview, in the World Series, where he said, I had to make the adjustment when they told me I was tipping my pitches. So did they tell him he was tipping his pitches, Chris, or did they say they know what you're throwing? I hear you. I was referring to the 2017 World Series. Mm-hmm. I know. Like the, yeah. Yeah, so. but I'm, yeah, I know you were, but I'm talking about even even this World Series. They're talking about, for me, cheating, cheating is... It, if they did it in the regular season, it's bad. If they did it in the postseason, it's worse. And I would expect, Chris, if they got away with it in the regular season, then they were definitely going to try it in the postseason if they were in a situation where they were in a jam back against the wall. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I mean, it worked. All right, man. Thanks a lot for taking my call, Larry. Right. Take it easy. You got it, my friend. 1-800-919-3776. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, why not? You're trailing in the game. It's a tough spot. And you're home. And it has worked for you before. Would you take a chance? Roll the dice. I mean, you've fooled everybody so far. Are there more cameras available? Obviously, the further you go in the postseason, absolutely. But if you believe that your system works... Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they would try it again. I definitely wouldn't be surprised. Sam Darnold. You know, there was a there was a story in the athletic that came out during the week 
about him walking into Adam Gase's office and saying, you know what, sir, we need to get things straightened out. I'm not happy with the play calling and blah, blah, blah. I'm paraphrasing. And Gase was allegedly quoted in there. I don't know if he was quoted, but allegedly his response was, I've been waiting for you to come in here. So he was asked about that earlier this week, and here's what he said. For me, I just, you know, after a few weeks, after feeling really comfortable, really having a full understanding of the offense, more so than, you know, I could really ever have in training camp or even in the offseason. You know, I felt really good to just have, you know, a conversation with Coach about the structure of everything, and, you know, nothing was changed. It was just a conversation of what I liked, um, what I disliked, and then, you know, what he liked and what he disliked, and we just kind of, you know, had a back-and-forth conversation about certain things, and it went really well. You know, it was something that definitely, you know, it was it was good that it happened, but you know it's continuing to happen even after the fact. You know, every single week um, I meet with coach and, and make sure that we're we're on the same page. And you know, it's it's really good that those things are happening. Growth. That's what you're seeing in your young quarterback to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, we've tried this and we've tried that and we've tried this and we've tried that and you know what? Let me go and talk to him and tell him what I really want. Let me go in and talk to him and tell him what I really, really like. Let me go in and talk to him and tell him, you know, I understand what you're doing, but uh, I like this a little better. How can you tailor this to be closer to what I want to do, what I'm comfortable with? And you would think on the surface that, hey, you know what? (laughs) That's what the coach is supposed to have him do. That that's what the coach should say to him. You know what? What what works for you? What 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 is of all the things here? What makes you more comfortable? And so many coaches get into this scenario where they want you to fit their to fit their scheme as opposed to making their scheme fit what you do best. That's the mark of a really talented coach. That's the mark of a really confident coach. That's the mark of a winning coach. When they can take their philosophy and adjust it to your talents and say, okay, yeah, I'd love for him to do this, but... He can't do that right now. Let me put that to the side and let me come up with some other plays that are similar but are not exactly what I like, but it's closer to what he can handle and he can work with. And I think that combination, and I understand coaches want them to, you know, listen, I know that you can't get this. I want you to just keep working at it and want you to keep perfecting your craft. So I understand that part of it. And I'm not saying that you should give up your whole way of thinking and your scheme and just adjust everything to your to your quarterback. No, it's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is for your young quarterback to be successful, sometimes you got to take a step back to move forward. And I don't know when allegedly this took place, but all I'm saying is over the past couple of weeks, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Sam Darnold as far as his command of the offense, as far as, and even Le'Veon Bell mentioned about he was so vocal in the huddle, I decided to be quiet. 
<laughs> I took a step back because he was telling people what to do and where to go and where to line up. And that's what you want to see. You want to see your quarterback take that next step. And that's why I think this is going to be such an interesting game. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Giant fans, what would you like the team to do the rest of the season? Okay, what would you like the team to do the rest of the season? Try to win and improve or lose out and see changes? I had an interesting conversation with a young man today who's very familiar with the thinking of the Giants. And Giant fans, you may not be happy about what he said. So I asked him if what was the um, thought process of the Giant front office right now? Just just what, what do you think? What, 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 what Do you see them making a change with Shermer? Do you see them making a change? And his response was, no. If they went 2-14, and 14, maybe. And the reason why? Daniel Jones. Because they believe, according to this source, they believe that Daniel Jones, as a rookie, has shown enough under Pat Shermer that they don't want to bring in somebody else and and have him regress. That they have seen enough that they believe that if they continue to work with him, if Shermer continues to work with him, he'll be okay. Hmm. Your thoughts? 1-800-919-3776. Pat Shermer, yeah, Jones has been good. Jones has been nice. But remember, still a rookie. He's a rookie. You know, and I think, you know, I, I think he'll... And he keeps fighting through it, and he keeps improving. And, and, you know, I think he's doing a lot of really good things. Um, they're just, he's like everybody, and i got to clean up the mistakes. Um, and he'll be a rookie throughout the season. You know, I, I don't think he'll be able to fully internalize what's happening to him until he's got time away here in the offseason and look back and say, wow, what was that? You know, I think I think all rookies go through that. And um, But at this point, he's in it. And he's competing to help us win games. And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess chronologically, he's a rookie. Chronologically, he's a rookie. Experience-wise, he is not a rookie. Experience-wise, he's had games and has played in the National Football League. He's a young player. He's a first-year player. But he is not a rookie, per se, because he's seen action. And he's played in spots very well. Uh, efficient. Daniel Jones is accurate. Issues with the football, holding on to it, turning it over, dropping it. Those things can be taught and improved. But if he continues the, to learn the way he's learned and, and get better and get better, he's going to be a fa- he's going to be a fantastic quarterback. And the Giants will have found another franchise guy. 1-800-919-3776. Trey's in Brooklyn, Texas, and he's next on 98.7 ESPN. What's up, T? You made that sound so easy, Larry. <laughs> you made that sound so easy, peanut butter on the bread, jelly, put the bread together. You made that sound real easy. I hope you're right. From your lips to God's ears, my brother. 
Yeah, you, I mean, you know, at least you got something to work with, Trey. You got something to weed. Look, the, the city is in good hands right now with these two young quarterbacks, so it seems. Uh, the, the 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 young boy Jones has some fumbleitis issues that can be fixed. That can be fixed. Um, a quick Nick point. Okay. Um, some of these point guards. I, I remember Spike doing an interview on uh, with G, not not our uncle Spike, the other guy, the uh-huh. other guy from the other guy from uh, yeah the other guy. <laughs> the other Spike. from Fort the other guy from Fort. <laughs> exactly. Um. He uh, did an interview with R.J. Barrett, and he said the one thing that no one has ever done is asked Clyde Frazier, what does it take to win in New York? Mm-hmm. And I find that very hard to fathom that all these players have come through this city and they all talk about bringing New York back and bringing back the 90s. And bring- Why don't we ever talk about bringing back when we actually won? Mm-hmm. Nobody, you got the man that's sitting over there. I mean, he's got the loudest suit that you've ever seen on the planet. He's so he's pretty identifiable, wouldn't you agree, Larry? Oh yeah, I know him. I know him anywhere. You can find him, right? I mean, kind yeah. of sticks out a little bit. No, okay, yeah. just check. Why don't these players like R.J. Barrett, hell, even Dennis Smith Jr. Why don't you go up and ask him what does it take? I, and I find it mind-boggling to me, Larry, that you got this man sitting here. He's been sitting on the sideline for over 30 years now. Yeah, that's right. I've been on the sideline, and nobody's going up to ask him, what does it take to be a quality point guard or even just a a, a backcourt associate with some of these guys? Larry, it is, it is mind-boggling. What do you think about that? It, it's because, Trey, he won in an era where people don't think – People think you win in an era, and that's all you know from that era, that you can't teach this era. And what they don't understand is basketball is basketball. There's fundamentals. There's fundamentals. The style of play may change, but, Trey, the fundamentals of basketball don't change. That's why – that's why – we, the screen and roll. Oh, look at the screen. Look at the high screen and roll. Look at the low screen and roll. The pick and right. roll has been the pick and roll, no matter what you call it. It's still the pick and roll. And it's, as Clyde says, the oldest play in basketball. And you know why it's the oldest play in basketball, Trey? Because it still works. It still, it still works. works. That's, right. That's right. All you have to do uh, is, as a Knicks fan, you watch it. See how they handle the pick and roll and tell me it don't work. <laughs> See how they defend it. It works. Right. <laughs> hey, if, if there was ever some tape on on how to not do it right, oh, every night. That's right. That's right. But but it speaks to Trey. And thanks for the phone call, my friend. It speaks to, in some cases, uh, ignorance. In some cases, lack of respect. And in some cases, just okay. He. No, I respect him. He did. He, he's cool and everything, man. He got two two rings. That's great. But you know, that was then. <laughs> that was back then. We don't play them game. They don't play no game like that no more. Why them shorts were so short back then when he was playing? And of course, there's others. That's a broad brush. And there's some who understand and know, and just sometimes they feel uncomfortable. They don't know how to go up and talk to him. I mean, he's been there. Forever. I remember him. I remember the first time I sat next to him. In pre- he was doing a pregame preparation in the old Boston Garden. And it was it was the, an 80s playoff game. Stu Jackson was coaching the Knicks. 
And we were up in I went up there in Boston. And we we're up there. I'm sitting next to him, and I was watching him and his preparation and all the stuff he was doing. He's getting ready to do uh, the radio. He was doing radio at that time. wasn't doing TV. He was doing. He was on the radio broadcasts, and um, you know, he was he was just great. You just watch him, just to sit and talk to him, and the knowledge and the experience, and you know, just his keen eye. It was just amazing. It, it it's. It may not, and look, he was flashy. Earl the Pearl was flashy. They had style. They know the game. And I know that you don't think they know the game, but, you know, like I said, basketball is basketball. The styles may change, but the fundamentals You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Before we get back to the phones, let me update you on the football score Thursday night. You know, it's so funny. When I came in, the uh, Texas and Colts game was... But then it just sparked up and got good. Texans are about to win 22-17. Well, they will win. they got five seconds left. They have the ball on fourth and three. And, of course, they're going to, uh, you know, just step back and let the time run out. So that's a good one. Texans with a win. Bouncing back after their uh, loss to the Ravens in a game that I was really surprised. I was really surprised how that game turned out. Let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Christian's in Staten Island. Christian, you're next on 9870 ESPN. Hey, Larry. What's going on, Larry? What's up, partner? What's happening? Nothing much, man. I think, you know, just a comment on the state of the Giants. I think for me personally, I want the Giants just to – not keep doing what they're doing, but like, but try and win as many games as possible. Because realistically, like, you know, they're coming close in these games, you know, but they're not winning them. So I think if you, you know, tank or whatever you want to call it, it's going to be the same outcome whether you try to or not. So I think you should try to win as many games as possible. Obviously, that you know furthers the development in Daniel Jones. And I think personnel wise, I think at this point. It's pretty much a 50-50 if Pat Shermer is gone or they retain him, obviously, for the development of Daniel Jones. But I think I think something in that coaching tree needs to be changed. Like, the defense and James Betcher, like, they they have to – he can't be retained like this. He has to go. And I know – I understand they don't have a whole lot of playmakers, but they do have a couple decent pieces on the D-line and your boy Peppers. So it should be better than it is. So I think James Betcher has to go. I think you have to sit starting Shepard out the year because – yeah. There's talks about him not even coming back for yeah. his career. Yeah. So, you know, he has to sit out the year. But, um, you, you know, like I said, personally, I would actually really love if they got Matt Rule. I mean, that's my personal opinion. But, I don't, like I said, I don't know, you know, the state of Shermer, if he's going to stay or go. But I think just keep doing what you're doing. Try to win his main games. Try to develop Dana Jones. Because I was, you know, on the uh, Jones bandwagon when they drafted him. Mm-hmm. I didn't want him. Who is this kid? I love this kid. He's Eli Jr. Yeah. He's Eli Jr. I yep. love this kid. So I think that's what they should do. All right, Christian. Thanks for the phone call. 1-800-919-3776. Charlie's in Woodside. Charlie, you're next on 98.7. Good evening, Larry. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. What's up? So um, first point, we got to your poll question. Uh, I'll put the Forget about winning. It's all about losing right now for the Giants. And... I don't know why it's been a, it's it's absolutely catastrophic right now that James Betcher's not fired, and I can see this team coming up this week Sunday, like did it against the Arizona Cardinals or against the Jets. They're gonna come up like like a 
a, a walking clowns down like 14 nothing, and then they're going to make the this defense oh make every like offense look like a Joe Montana let offense how bad it is. Well, they got to hey, Charlie. They got to be real bad to make Mitchell Trubisky and this Bears offense look like oh, it's Joe Montana man. and the 49ers. They got to. They got to be real bad. And I don't think they're. Here's the thing with them. And Charlie, you know this as a Giant fan. It's the big plays that kill them. That's the thing. They'll give you a couple of 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 series where they find a way to get off the field or they make a play or they put a team in a third and long situation. And then after they do that, either what happens is they'll either get Daniel Jones will get a turnover and they get a short field and they get on their heels and they score and then they lose track. So I, I understand your frustration defensively. And I just think that the Giants are mindful of what they have defensively. They know their defense personnel wise is not that good. No, this, this, I mean, they have no talents on, on the, uh, this defense and everything. Just, it just it, it stinks. But uh, Larry, can you can I comment on the the Astros? Sure, go ahead. Yep. Uh, just a quick point. Um, I know people will talk about the punishment and stuff. I think this has to be severe. And talk people talking about vacating title. And I mean, vacating title doesn't mean anything to me. Just leave the title alone because then people are gonna think that oh. Oh, they won a World Series 2017. Oh, but you know what? They, they cheated. So that's tainted. So I'll leave the title by, in my mind, draft picks taken away. Lower the luster tech threshold, like 140, 50. And even the, when they reach the luxury tax uh, uh, threshold, like a penalty, mm-hmm. make, them high, make them pay the highest. Management, like GM, general manager, the scouts and someone suspended, manager, and in my mind, but, uh, last week Buck Showalter's like uh, uh, um, was on the show with the with the mic with the guy with the boys in the K show. Mm-hmm. It, fascinating story about how do you like make them like punish them in a two thousand at the earliest two thousand twenty season. Mm-hmm. How about take away? Uh, let's say take away uh, if they end up making the playoffs. Take away home field, uh, automatic home field disadvantage, or let's say get to the ALDS. They already uh, uh, automatically lose, like a, a, a pole, like let's say if they're facing the Cleveland Indians, the Indians get a one game advantage already. So essentially, in, Indians have to win two wins instead of the Astros have to win three yeah. games. Interesting. Well, how about this, Charlie? And thanks for the phone call. Some interesting thoughts there. How about they don't make the postseason? They play for the regular season. And they're not eligible, like we do in college football, right? They're not bowl eligible because they for they have uh, you know suspensions. They can't be in the bowl games. Maybe don't play in the postseason. How about that? Hmm. John in West Orange. John, you're next on ninety eight seven ESPN. Hey, John. Hello. What's up? Hey, how's it going? All right. Um, my question. Uh, my question is, um, wait. Um, as you were talking about, you know, I like saying, uh, you know, should we keep winning games or should we try losing games as a Giants fan? Mm-hmm. I would honestly like to, like, um, for them to, like, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, like, uh, let Daniel Jones, you know, like, keep developing. Mm-hmm. But also, way to like not win all the games due to the fact that if you don't, you end up getting the really high draft pick, and this kid's coming out of college, like, what Chase Young, and a bunch of other like great defensive players that could probably like, help uh, this defense. Because I feel like we're a couple pieces away, you know, from becoming a pretty good defense, which is very young. What do you think? You are, John. Thanks for the phone call. You are very young. You do need some pieces. And, you know, uh, draft choices will help you. There's no question about that. You do need some more draft choices. I think, and I like how people are saying it, 
just do what you, <laughs> do what you're doing now, which is like you play well, but you find a way to lose. So just keep doing that. Unfortunately for the players, because here's the thing about the players, they're not tanking. They're not trying to lose. They're, they, they, they're not wired that way. That's a situation where, you know, coach has to pull people out. Coach has to sit some folks down. Coach has got to make some different, some changes. If you have faith in Dave Gettleman's ability to build a team, then your best scenario would be you lose despite Daniel Jones playing well. That would probably be your best scenario if you believe that Dave Gettleman can build a team. If you if you're confident, okay. I mean, you got Daniel Jones. That you know, when people said, "Who's that? What did they do?" Woo ha ha ha! You got Daniel Jones. <laughs> and those folks aren't laughing right now. They're like, "Wow, who knew?" So if you believe that he can build and he can put a team together, then you want to do that. But I will say this: I have to caution you. Pat Shermer has is on a different agenda. Okay, Pat Shermer's agenda is win some games and keep his job. He's not sure what the Giants are going to do. He doesn't know. What he does know is they need to win some games. And right now, they're not. And his ability, his coaching decisions have come under question. More so than the lack of talent, his coaching decisions have come in question. So... That's going to be the challenge for him. So he wants to win. Gellerman wants to win, but Gellerman's like, okay, you know, we got some draft choices. I can put some things together. It's fascinating. I do think, and no Giants fans don't want to hear this, I do think Daniel Jones playing well gives Shermer another year. I think it does. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. I saw Hoodie Mello. Hoodie Mello looked better than game one. Hoodie Mello getting back in shape. Although without Damian Lillard, you know, they couldn't help him. But Hoodie Mello looked better. If I can, here's what I want to see. I get to the calls in a second. I want to see Hoodie Olympic Mello. If I could see Hoodie Olympic Mello, Portland would be rolling. <laughs> Portland would be rolling. By the way, our poll question, so far the response of you say you want the Giants for the rest of the season to try to win and improve. 62% of you say want you to lose out and see some changes. That's what they want. Kay is on the island. What's up, Kay? Hey, Larry. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, partner. What's going on? Um, first time call. I just discovered this program earlier the year, early in the year. I listen to you on my way home or when I'm going in on the overnight. So I just want to tell you, you're doing a fantastic job. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Uh, uh, three quick things, if you don't mind. Um, the Giants, they need to win because Daniel Jones and our, our, our stalwart, our stallion running back, they need to get that experience in trying to win and working with what you have. Mm-hmm. You know, let okay. management let management think about rebuilding and, and the pieces that they need to add. All okay. right, gotcha. we need we need we need our guys to to get that experience and inspire the rest of the team to mm-hmm. try to win. 
Okay. Um, the Knicks, um, Frank is stepping up. He's improving. Kevin Knox, he, he's stepping back. I don't know what's going on with yeah. him. Is it psychological or physical? Mm-hmm. Mitchell Robinson needs to stop falling out. We need him on the court. Julius Randle needs to work on his end-of-game IQ. And Marcus Morris needs to figure out if he's a number one or a number two. You know? Yeah. He can be number one one game and then deferring to Julius Randle another game. Yeah. That's how we get our identity when people take their places. Let coach, let, let coach, coach. Fizz is doing a great job. Um, and I'm glad they beat, um, they, they beat Port KP. I know you um, are. Twice. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, uh, another thing, if you don't mind, could I just make make a, a comment on the cap? Sure, go ahead. Kaepernick yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. All right. I think a major point is being missed, Larry, which I, 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 could I ask you to just hold anybody that brings it up? Ask them to answer this question. How could he blow an opportunity that he never got? They, from the start, set this thing up to, 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 to really create an atmosphere that would put him, marginalize him. Okay, or irritate him, and then on top of it, the slide in this waiver. He could never. They, they, they said that he had to sign the waiver, or else he cannot work out. So how how are people talking about he did a show? He doesn't want to play when he's been keeping preparing for three years. He showed out in his own because he's savvy enough to say, hey, you know what? They're they're, they're messing around with me. Let me hold my own thing. We're talking about his attitude, the socks, the t-shirt all this kind of stuff when nobody's holding the NFL accountable and that's why Stephen is getting roasted because he won't apologize or admit that he's wrong and he's trying to pivot. Stop letting him off the hook. I need somebody reputable to hold Stephen A, pin him down. Max, he, all the forums that Stephen A discussed this thing in, he controls them so he can hang up on people, cut them off because he doesn't allow people to talk. And so I need someone reputable to challenge him. How can you be talking about Kellen Kaepernick's attitude or what he wears? He wore Kunta Kinta because he outmaneuvered them and got his workout done. And everybody sees that he's still capable and sees the NFL for what they are. So why are we talking about him? Of course, I would have an attitude if somebody tried to cheat me. Well, here's the thing, Kay, and thanks for the phone call. Talking about the Kaepernick thing, you don't go to a job interview, which is what this was, and be that controversial. We already know where Colin Kaepernick stands. We already understand he's been outspoken at the time when he was first doing the kneeling. So we we understand that. The waiver is a thing that's gone back and forth. I mean, I've heard Stephen A. say that he spoke to the NFL. The NFL said they didn't send him. The waiver did not say that he could not sue the NFL. The waiver is a waiver that everybody signs when you work out. I've spoken to a number of current and former football players, and they say the NFL, it's a it's a blanket waiver that they say, hey, guess what? If you get hurt during this workout, you can't sue us because it's a workout. You're not on the team. So that's the NFL protecting themselves. Okay, so that's the waiver part of it. If there was an issue with the waiver, talking about whether he could, you know, let your attorneys handle that. Okay, let the attorneys deal with that. Your biggest opportunity here was for you to play football and to show that. Now, let's say, for argument's sake, 
the waiver said what it said, and you couldn't play, and you couldn't work on their field, and none of this, none of this was was right. Okay, you don't change the workout thirty minutes before time. You move the workout early Saturday morning at nine o'clock, and you say there's been some issues with the waiver or whatever. We're moving the workout. I want you to come watch me perform. I will show you that I can still play in the National Football League. Come to this new place. Here we are. Thank you. Sorry for the late, for the last minute move, the last minute pivot. Sorry that we had to change the venue. And this is what I want. I have no problem with him bringing his own video. I got no problem with him bringing his own receivers. I got no problem with him even moving the venue. But you can't move the venue 30 minutes before when people are sitting at where the Falcons play waiting for you to come. Move it earlier. And listen, does it mean that he would have gotten signed anyway? I don't know. Probably not. I don't know. But what the situation was is he put it like it's on him as opposed to putting it on the National Football League. That's the only issue I have with him. 1-800-919-3776. Hey, John in North Bergen. You're next on 98.7. Hi, Larry. How you doing, sir? Good, man. What's up? All right. Uh, long-time fan again. I've spoken to you like three times already. I'm a diehard Giants fan. Okay. Um, um, what I've do you been think? a Giants fan since I was nine years old, and which was the '89 season, mm-hmm. and it was the Flipper Anderson game. Oh I man! Remember you, I remember you told me you were at that game. I was at that guy covered that been, game, and they he, which he, must have been cool as hell. He made the catch and ran right to the end zone to the locker room. Yes, sir. All <laughs> right. Never stop running. So, <laughs> yes, yes. So I've been a diehard since then. So I agree with what you were saying before the break. Mm-hmm. And there was a caller to two two callers prior to the break, and I agree what he said too. So, what I'm trying to say is that um, it's not the coaching. You know the the uh, the season started off bad, benching Eli, the injuries, um, Golden Tate being suspended. So it's not the coaching staff. I think they should remain. I don't think there should be changes. But what I'm trying to say is that um, they should play for pride, mm-hmm. but not not win out. Like you know, get a high draft pick and get help where they need help. Mm-hmm. You understand? Yes. What do you think, Larry? What do you so think? here's what you want, John, and thanks for the phone call and the kind words, my friend. Here's what you want. You want pretty much what the other callers have said to. What you want is you want them to play the way they've been playing. Be competitive. Make some plays. Daniel Jones gets some experience. Your young secondary gets some experience and lose. You want them to get better. You want to see improvement. But you don't want the record to reflect the improvement. So what you want is you want them, you don't want them to give up. You don't want them to say, well, we're not trying. And, and 
don't worry, they're not doing that. They're not going to do that. Now, there might be some athletes who are like, look, man, you know, I got to get out of here. I, you know, we got tea time. This season is over. I understand that. But on the other side of it, when you have a record in a season like this, you know what that means? That means there's going to be changes. There's changes in every NFL locker room every season. And so players want to put good stuff on video so they can get a job on some of the team next season. So they're not going to just out and out tank. You have to worry about that. They'll be fine. But I, I, from what you're saying is keep playing. You want the guys to keep getting better. You want the young players to learn. Just don't win. <laughs> so you can get that high draft choice. I got it. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN.